Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Jennifer Bowens. Jennifer serves as the director of the Center for Family Studies at the Family Research Council. She has a PhD from New York University and has worked extensively as a clinician providing trauma-focused treatment to children in foster care, behavioral health settings, and to adults who've experienced interpersonal trauma such as sexual abuse and assault. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I saw an article that you put out, and I was like, I have to reach out to you because it's been kind of bugging me. And it's it's called, it's, I saw it on the Family Research Council page. It was, uh, follow the science. Does anyone know where we are going? And I think I know the answer to that. And hell in a handbasket comes to mind. But what prompted you to write this article? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I I wanted to write this article to expose uh, the mystery behind the scientific method. So much hides behind that term science. So we're hearing all the time in the media, follow the science, follow the science. But um, the reality is that a lot of the people who are saying that aren't actually following the scientific method and the tenets of the scientific method. So I, I wanted to unveil the mystery behind what science actually is and talk about what constitutes good science from bad science. Well, before we get into all the bad science, which seems to be you know the rule rather than the exception anymore, which is really a shame, can you talk about the scientific method a little bit, kind of what is it and how it works? Sure. Um, so the scientific method was started during the Enlightenment period, and science just refers to a way of knowing something. So when we say we're using science, we're saying that we're trying to put a set of principles around our way of investigating a certain topic. So that's all it is. I mean, it's not that mysterious. It's, we know things about life um, through experience, through uh, our traditions, through authority. But science tries to put some objectivity around how we know what we know. That's, that's all. Um, and then we have some things that will help us evaluate what's good science. For example, the first tenet of the scientific method is that um, the results that we get should be repeated. So they should be, um, we should see the same outcome over and over again. And that's important for the, the day and age that we're living because we're actually seeing that play out in, um, with the COVID vaccine, with uh, the transgender ideology, lots of different social issues that, we're, that are coming to bear right now. Um, and what we're seeing is that we aren't watching studies repeatedly showing the same outcome. One day it's wear masks, one day it's don't wear masks. <laughs> um, one day it's, you know, one thing or the other. So we, the first tenant is that we want to see things repeatedly um, proven and shown to be this, the, the same outcome. Well, it is, you know, it is very disconcerting. I mean, I think, you know, it used to be that, you know, wow, science, you know, finding out things and finding the truth and trying to help us and help explain it to us. But how dangerous is it in the world in which we live when you can't trust science? 
because it's yeah, been co-opted. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it's very dangerous because you, you have this ideal that's set up as, as science. If it's, if, if a study has been published, then it must be true. And, um, and again, we're, we're seeing that science is not even upholding to its own tenets. So we want to look to a whole body of, of outcomes, a whole set of studies that have been conducted on a certain area. And we should see the same thing over and over again, but we're, we're not. Um, but here's another thing. Here's another um, tenant that we, we want to see is that outcomes are held as tentative. In other words, uh, we want to hold the, the findings loosely so that so that if evidence comes along that says something contrary, um, that we're okay with that. We shift gears. But what we're seeing now is that there's, there's this uh, rigidity around these outcomes. And, you know, well, the vac- vaccines must be true. They must work. And there's, uh, there isn't much room to see other outcomes. Well, maybe, maybe these aren't the best approaches, <laughs> but there isn't a lot of openness in, um, in our public discourse on this. So thank you for bringing attention to this. Oh, no, I think it's really bad. I mean, when you, I, you know, it just appears, and I'm sure this isn't across the board, but it really appears that they come up with a premise and they make the science fit the premise as opposed to the other way around, just they have a premise and let's see where it leads us, right? They've already come to the conclusion. They're just going to make sure the science or the study that they do eats what they've already said is true. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly right. Um and and again, here's here's number three in the scientific method that you you um, you hold loosely your findings and you allow them to be refuted. So one of the ways that we can evaluate pseudoscience from good science is that um, the the researchers are open to their data being refuted, reanalyzed, um, and and examined by other researchers who don't have an invested interest in the, uh, the particular outcome. So we, we see like, again, going back to the vaccine, cause that's an easy one right now. Um, we, we don't see uh, different pharmaceutical companies releasing their data to the public or to other researchers. We don't see the CDC making that data available. So that alone should give us pause because they're not following the, the number three tenant of the, the scientific method, is, which is allow the data to be refuted, allow it to be reanalyzed, make it available. We should be transparent with what we're uh, researching, particularly when the stakes are as high as they are, such as requiring everyone to participate in, in, a, in this grand experiment. Well, and that's, I think, experiment is right. I mean, now, you know, we had, but the CDC has now just come out and said children five to 12, you know, they were voting, it was the FDA, I forget who was voting on it. It was like 17 to nothing. One of the doctors like, well, we'll just kind of see how this works out, right? They're just going to, you know, treat our children as guinea pigs on this. And where's the science, right? To get things out in the, you know, in the past, right? There were, you know, they had to do long studies. They had to make sure there was no problem. Now it's just like, hey, let's give it to them and see what happens. That's right. 
That's right. Um, and and that's um, a, a reason that we should all have pause to, uh, regardless of what we think about vaccinations, the fact that the, the scientific method itself has not been followed in this area um, and that we're, we're really, we don't have long-term studies to show whether or not this is effective or what kind of harm it might cause. Um, but what we do have, the initial findings are showing that um, there are folks that are having negative side effects and that information is being suppressed. So again, that goes back to number three. We're not allowing things to be refuted. We're not allowing transparency around um, data and outcomes that we're hearing about. Well, and I would think, you know, science is really, you know, acknowledged that natural immunity is really good, right? Hey, newsflash, the Lord knew what he was doing when he put us together and create this <laughs> natural immunity. And it's almost like they've totally gotten rid of that. That's, that's not even a talking point anymore when that's really, that's been scientifically proven, right? Natural immunity is really good. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, the Lord did know what he was doing when he put us together. And his goodness is that he He uh, put us together to heal. Um, and so, yeah, that's not considered. And in fact, um, whether it's the vaccine or some of the other is social issues like, um, quote unquote, gender reassignment surgery, uh, what what we're seeing is that some of the variables that should be included or another way to say that is some of the other ideas like natural immunity or um, other things that should be considered in the, in the scientific research aren't being con considered because of politics. Um, and, and those are important factors that should be included for us to have a full understanding of, of how these things work and how they play out in the human body. Um, but, but that's not the case here. And it, you can tell that alone tells you how much this is driven by politics. Yeah, you know, there's an, uh, uh, the Family Research Council put out a, a tweet this morning and there was a quote at the end. And I just want to read it because I think it's so uh, appropriate for not only what we're talking about, but it was an article regarding the AMA coming out with a 54 page guideline on basically trying to influence doctors on critical race theory, gender ideology. But the last sentence was the left once revered medical advice. But just as politics has triumphed over science on COVID, so the AMA seeks to implement political orthodoxy throughout medicine. And, you know, it really is, you know, that statement, I think, sums up kind of what we've been talking about. Have you ever seen the, uh, there's a video out or a little movie that Ben Stein put out several, several years ago. It's called Expelled. And it was all about how scientists in the academic world uh, in colleges and whatever, were being silenced if they said anything about there was a creator, right? If, if it wasn't Darwin theory, they were being fired and extinguished. So this attack on science isn't new, is it? No, it's not. And um, there's a there's a philosophy of science, uh, I, I guess, <laughs> professor, and um, I'm not endorsing his book, but one of the things that he talks about is what it takes to shift the scientific discourse, that uh, very often what happens in a, in a certain discipline, whether it's on climate change or, you know, you could pick whatever topic you want, but there will be a, a predominant way of thinking on that topic. 
And anyone who has a contrary opinion, <laughs> their their work may not get published. Um, there may be a, a tendency to silence that. But eventually, over time, what we'll see is a paradigm shift to whatever that new way of thinking is. And what, I think what he really highlights is that there's a sometimes in human nature, there's a tendency to like what's familiar. But this is problematic when it comes to scientific exploration, which is all about discovering new ideas, uh, trying to find what is truth, trying to find out how things work and are, are created. So when you have these political processes at play uh, that affect, you know, and in the academic world affect people's ability to be tenured or um, to innovate, then then we're going to end up with a very narrow understanding of a given topic, whether it's the vaccines, whether it's, you know, again, transgender ideology, when we're trying to help children uh, who are facing distress and we only have one answer for them, you know, that that's very limiting by politics. It's, it's limiting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a sad world in which we live because in the end, it just feels like, you know, whether it's the abortion issue, whether it's any of these issues, it's follow the money, right? The money dictates what's happening. If, if people weren't just funding, right, their own ideology, then this wouldn't be happening. But it's because I'm not going to get any money if I don't do it. If you're a real scientist, you got to be pulling your hair out, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, money is a huge driver. Money is a huge driver. Um, let's take the the transgender issue. Um, you see the the expected surgical market over the next ten years. It, it, it's going to grow by fourteen percent if things stay as as projected. So of course there's a huge push uh, to to get more people involved and to onboard them into surgical procedures or hormones, all of this, all of these things. And, and the science is there to help, you know, back it up. Of course, this is good. This will help people's distress, but we know otherwise um, just by intuition, we don't even need the science to say that, you know, removing parts of your body is not a, not a wise decision. Yeah, heaven forbid we use common sense. That would be uh, that would actually be scary, I guess, at this point in time. But you know, you work with a very vulnerable population, right? When you're talking about you know children in foster care, and I remember I did an interview with uh, a gentleman on the gender ideology. It was up. Uh, he was doing a story up in Canada where dad was arrested because he was trying to keep his daughter from doing this with this particular doctor. Well, when they researched the doctor. Most of his clients were like foster care children, children who have had a rough go of it. So really, don't they become very susceptible to this fake science that's out there? And aren't they, I mean, sound like they were being used as guinea pigs up in Canada. Yeah. Um, on, that, on the gender issue, a lot of times people who have experienced uh, traumatic events, they're the most vulnerable and uh, they're, they're most vulnerable to the, the um, transgender surgeries and ideology and all of that. And and it is true that often happens. Um, I don't I don't have all of the data on this, but I, I do know that foster children have been used uh, in in wrong ways. <laughs> 
to say the very least, and and are are susceptible. It's it really is sad that not only is science being you know waylaid, but people suffer because of this, right? I mean, it's not like we're just talking about fake studies and coming to these conclusions. It's it's in the end, people will suffer if if it's the vaccine and it turns out to be very harmful. Ten years down the road, whoops, I'm sorry, right? I mean it really affects people's lives. That's why this is so important, isn't it? Yeah. And I would recommend to your viewers, uh, if you get a chance, look up Senator Ron Johnson. And he did a roundtable recently on the federal ma- uh, vaccine mandates. And he had a number of people who testified with vaccine injuries. And he also had a number of medical professionals who are uh, opposing the, not only the science, but um, they're they're testifying about what they've seen with folks and and the injuries that they're observing, and uh, this is this very much affects people in a negative way. And it's it's no joke when you have uh, a release of a mandate before the outcomes have been fully developed. People get hurt. Well, it, it, you know, just anybody in their right mind when they have to coerce you, when they have to bribe you, when they, and then finally, you know, they force you to do something when I think you mentioned it really, you know, I think it's key that none of these pharmaceuticals are releasing any studies. So they're just saying, trust mm-hmm. me. And oh, by the way, we'll pay you to get the shot. Oh, if you don't get the shot, we're going to fire you now. I mean, it really has become so heavy handed and science is basically political science at this Yes, that's right. And and when you look at the scientific method, just the way things are structured, um, the institutionalized science, I should say, because at this point, that's really what it is. It's a system of science, and there are only certain people who get to speak into that conversation and participate. Um, But when you look at part of the process of getting a study approved, which are are ethics, um, a lot of the things that we're seeing play out in real time are ethical violations. You know, you're, when you participate in a study, you're supposed to be fully aware. You're supposed to have informed consent of the risks and the benefits of whether it's taking a vaccine, a pill, or uh, you're involved in some psychological intervention. You should, you should know how is this going to benefit you and what are the risks? Um, You should also not be coerced to take it. You should have a way out. That's part of the ethical code. And what are we seeing right now? We're seeing people coerced to participate. If they don't, they lose their jobs. Um, We're seeing uh, the risks and the benefits are not clearly laid out because they aren't even known. We don't have the long-term studies to show what are the, the risks. Uh, we, we have some cases that are emerging, but we don't have... Um, People have been deterred from participating in, in studies that demonstrate the risks. Yeah, and oh, I'm sorry, 10 years down the road really isn't going to carry a lot of weight, especially when it was done, right, with with malice, right? I mean, in the end, it's all about getting rich, getting money, getting power. And it, it really is at the expense of who knows who and who knows what. That's yet to be determined. But I guess when you live in a woke culture, it just bleeds over, right? We have woke science. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's why I would encourage your listeners uh, to get involved in scientific fields and in academic work, 
because right now uh, I can tell you as someone who's been in, in the academic world that there aren't many conservative voices, Christian voices out there. And we need more. We need people who who are involved in career jobs in government who are signing off on government grants to fund research. Um, we we need academics who who have our voice. And right now, whatever comes from science is the majority is coming from um, a certain perspective, a more liberal perspective. So we need to know that when we're looking at these studies. That's it's not it's not done in a vacuum. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, you know, the scientific method is in their eyes, you know, that that's old news. That's let's put let's put that on the shelf. We're going to go do our own thing. But I think exactly the opposite is happening from what you just said, because I know people I have a very good friend who was a scientist for 30 years at the CDC and he left. He goes, I can't live in a world where. There isn't true science. I became a scientist because I want to find things out, not because I want to, you know, fulfill someone's uh, thought process on something. So it's actually I'm hearing good people leaving science because they just can't take it anymore. Yeah, and that's and that's um, disheartening that um, good people are leaving, but we we still need people to to help shape the conversation. Um. Because right now the conversation is being held primarily by by one side and one thought process. It's very, uh, for lack of a better word, an, an incestuous thought process in the academic circles. Um, and so maybe there are other ways to participate and and make change in the scientific community. But for for right now, the current state of things is that it is highly biased, mm-hmm. and we need to to. Um, to evaluate what's coming from those scientific studies. And we need to evaluate them with caution and really look at who's doing what and are they, are they holding to those tenants? Are they, are they, are we looking at a whole body of outcomes and who's, who's doing the studies in itself? Um, and are they holding the, the results openly? Um, and are they allowing those results to be refuted? And if they're not, then we know they're not doing, they're not participating in good science. Right. And I totally agree with you. We need to get good people into it. I was just pointing out that it's, it's the opposite is actually, or at least from my uh, observation is taking place. But yeah, good people need to get in because here's the deal. One person talking is not a discussion. That's called a monologue. We need a dialogue. <laughs> we, and we've totally forgotten how to do that right if you if you don't step in line then you're going to get canceled and sorry next player please right we, we don't need monologue science <laughs> no it, it appears what we have and you know to distrust science really puts us at such a great loss because now you don't know who to trust are there places people can go from your experience to get good science whether it's on covid or gender ideology whatever it's on where can they go, to the best of your knowledge, where they can get science that's actually practiced the way science is supposed to be done? Well, I I mentioned earlier um, the roundtable that Senator Ron Johnson mm-hmm. did. Uh, you can find that on Rumble. He published, or that um, that roundtable was published on November first, and he has a number of experts who are, are testifying. 
um, about the vaccine harms. That's that's one area you can look. Um, when it comes to the gender ideology, you'll see a few studies kind of trickle out because there's such pushback on anything that's contrary to gender affirmation. And uh, even clinicians who are providing treatment to children, there's there's a lot of pressure because there's a sense they could lose their clinical license. So you'll see a little bit less in that regard, but there are some studies trickling out that have to do with people who are detransitioning. Um, but I'll just say, i give you a rule of thumb. In general, when you're looking at research, look for things that disconfirm what the predominant finding is. Yeah. And that's not to be that's not to be dismissive. It's just you want to evaluate the body of literature as a whole. And when there's one discourse or one one way of thinking about something, which is what you see in the transgender ideology, by the way, um, you you see this one thing. If if you do transgender surgeries, then you're going to have less mental mental um, distress. When that's the only answer, then, you know, that should give you pause. So, yes, um, look for disconfirming evidence and look look for a, a broad way to think about a particular topic. Well, and I think that's where common sense comes in, right? To say, hey, if you go live a lie, everything's going to be good. At some point, your common sense said, yeah, that, that doesn't even make any sense. And I think this pseudoscience, there are a lot of examples where it just doesn't even make sense. So using your common sense, you could probably weed us up, but those are, those are helpful. How can people, we got about a minute to go, how can people follow what you're doing, Jennifer? Because I'm sure you can kind of, you know, tell them how the cow ate the cabbage. <laughs> um, well, you can follow me at frc.org. Um, and you can also email me. Feel free to um, email me with any questions, uh, jlb at frc.org. Again, that's jlb at frc.org. And uh, this is just part one of a paper that I'm writing on science, follow the science. Where, uh, does anyone know where we're going? I'm, I'm going to unpack some other ways that we can evaluate studies in the, in the second iteration of this. But um, I'm primarily focused on the transgender ideology right now, but I really am passionate about seeing people, uh, critical thinkers when it comes to science and um, the scientific method. Yeah, and we've done several shows on gender ideology. We actually had Walter Heyer on who went through it and then detransitioned. I mean, there is a big myth there, so what you're doing is really important. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.